John chapter number 4, verses 4 through 26. The title of this morning's message is Water. And would you stand as we read the Word of God today? The Bible says in John chapter 4, we're actually going to kick it back one verse, verse number 3. And it says, He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to, everybody say had to. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field of Jacob that had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Joseph, wearied as he was, or, so Jesus, I'm sorry, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour, or it was about noon that day. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask of a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He has gave us a well to drink from, and he drank from it himself. And his sons did, and his livestock did. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give, give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying you have no husband, for you have had five husbands. Everybody say five. And the one you have now is not your husband. Everybody say, oh, no. Oh, no. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ, When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And then Jesus, then then just then the disciples came back. And they marveled at who Jesus was talking to, a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or asked the woman, why are you, or asked Jesus, why are you talking to the woman? So the woman left the water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town, and they went out of the town, and were all coming to him. And I've titled this series "Dive" because there's more to the Bible than meets the eye. There's more to the Bible that meets the eye. In fact, as you go scuba diving and you go under the water, there's a whole other world under the surface, just like there is in the Scripture. The second thing about this series, the environment above the water is different than the environment below the water. And I compare that to the American culture that we live in today versus the first century Jewish culture that Jesus lived in. We miss so much because we're in two different cultures. And then seeing things will help you obtain knowledge, but experiencing things of God will change your life. How many of y'all ready for a life change this morning? Say amen. 
I entitled this message water because water is essential for scuba diving. Water is more essential for scuba diving than air because if you don't have water, you don't need air to go underwater because there's no water to go under. Amen? So water is the most essential product. Some of y'all catch that in a minute. Just hold your hand up and say you got it. All right? Water is the most essential part, and in this account, Jesus is about to help a woman dive into some water. It is so essential that he calls it living water. Now, I want to set the scene for you this morning. I know they're going to throw a map up on the screen for me here in just a second. Where is Samaria? Because the Bible says Jesus left Judea and was headed to Galilee. But right in between that journey, on the journey, they entered into a place called Samaria. So you have Judea down here at the bottom, and you have Galilee up there at the top by the big lake up there. And then you got Samaria smack in the middle of this trip. And so Jesus was going on about a 30-mile journey from Judea, Jerusalem area, up to Samaria, straight north. And then he stops at this place called Samaria, and then he's going to make his way on to Galilee. I wanted to give you a visual picture of how that looked, because a lot of times we hear about locations in, in, in the Bible, and we just have no uh, concept of what Jesus is really doing. But seeing this, you can see his journey of where he's going from Jerusalem area, up to Samaria, and then on up all the way to Galilee. But halfway there... The Bible talks about in the very uh, second verse we read, and the Bible says he had to pass through Samaria. Now I want to tell you a little bit about Samaria. Jerusalem and Judea is about 30 miles apart, and Samaria is right in the middle of it. And he went to a certain town named Sychar, and this is where the whole account unfolds. And the Samaria, Samaritans were hated by the Jews, okay? You got to get the concept of this. The Samaritans were hated by the Jews so much that everything was so... Uh, abstain from them people don't go to them people because back in the old testament god gave a strict mandate do not intermarry with other cultures jews you are called you're holy you're my people set apart you're gonna through you the savior of the world jesus christ is gonna come and from that you had david and you had solomon and then you come all the way down through the lineage you have jesus christ coming on the scene and but some of the people intermarried and they intermarried with the assyrian people and so they banded together in their own little place in the midst of everything that God gave them in a place called Samaria. And when you read the Bible in the Western culture, you, you think Samaritans are great people because you read, oh, the good Samaritan. They must all be good people. <laughs> no, the Samaritans were hated by the Jews because they were, they were called by the Jewish people half-breeds. They had defiled the covenant with God and intermarried other religions, so there was a great animosity between the two. The, it would be like if... if when you remember studying history, if you remember directly after the Civil War, when all the slaves were set free, there was still great animosity between the two cultures. Am I correct? And it was so bad that even though the slaves were free, if they walked into a public place, that you had one fountain and then you had another fountain. Correct? It was the exact same here. The Jews didn't drink out of the Samaritan fountains. The Samaritans didn't drink out of the Jewish fountains. So Jesus walks up to this woman and says, give me a drink. He's saying, give me a drink out of your fountain. <laughs> that didn't happen. And so as we're setting the scene here, you've got to have the animosity. You've got to see the cultural barriers that Jesus is dealing with here as he goes into this place. And the Bible says in verse 3, as he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, he had to pass through Samaria, and he came to that town, and it was Jacob's well there. And so Jesus decides to go right on through straight up the middle, and it was about noon, and this is where the whole story unfolds. So it's about noon, and if some of you read it, and it says the sixth hour, well, the Jewish day starts about 6 a.m., that's when their day starts. So when it says the sixth hour ever in the Bible, it's talking about 12 noon, our time. 
So Jesus, going from this place in, in Jerusalem or Judea all the way up to Galilee, about halfway through his trip, it's about noon, and he says, I'm thirsty, we're in the middle of Samaria, I'm in the middle of this place that I'm not supposed to be because culturally it's wrong, but I'm thirsty, and so I'm going to stand by this well, I know whose well this is, this is Jacob's well, because you had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob who had the experience with God on the ladder that he saw from heaven, and Jacob then became part of the lineage that would carry on all the way down through Jesus Christ. So they stopped at this place known as Jacob's Well, and this is where the, the, the dive site is what I like to call it. A dive site is where two different worlds combine. It combines our world above the water with the world below the water. If you're ever going do scuba diving, you're doing great above the water. You put your mask on, you put everything else on like we got Scuba Steve over here, okay? And you fall back into the water or you do the step off and you fall into the water and immediately you're in a whole nother world. And the first time you do it, you freak out and you air up your vessel, you pop back up to the surface like a bobber. <laughs> and then you calm down and then you deflate the air and you begin to sink to the bottom and then you experience this whole other world that's taking place. Jesus comes to this place. He's about to experience a whole other world. And two worlds are colliding here. The encounter with Jesus and the woman at the well, Jesus broke three major Jewish customs as he walked up to this woman. And as he was at the well and this woman comes to him, Jesus begins a conversation and it freaks her out. <laughs> Jesus starts talking to this woman. Jewish men did not talk to Samaritan, women, much less Samaritan women of a different culture who were the, the, who were the, the, the whipping boys of the Jewish people. So as Jesus began to talk to her, this woman kind of freaks out. She's like, what are you doing talking to me? <laughs> and he begins the, the discourse. Jesus also breaks a second major Jewish custom. When he was talking to the Samaritan woman, it's because of not just a woman, but she was a Samaritan woman, a different nationality. But then he asked her the crazy question. He said, you give me something to drink out of your well, and she said, Jesus, you don't have a cup. So Jesus was saying, with your cup, you dip it into this well and you give me a drink, which would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean. Now, do you remember last week when we talked about when somebody ceremonially unclean touched Jesus? It was supposed to make him unclean, but in fact, it has the reverse effect. The power came out of Jesus and made them clean rather than making him unclean. When you touch the almighty power of God or come in contact with the almighty power of God, what should defile him, it doesn't defile him, but it changes you to his glory. <laughs> we should be changed into the glory and the likeness of God. So I challenge you in worship every single Sunday morning, touch the presence of God because it's not changing him, it's changing you. So I want a change to take place. So Jesus knew that if she'll just get me some of this water in her cup and I touch it, <laughs> she's going to be changed. She's fixing to be changed like never before. So Jesus is on the scene here, and Jesus dives first, and he comes to her and says, give me a drink, and she doesn't, and we can go through the whole thing there again. And as we begin, the woman, if you'll realize this, came out in the hottest part of the day. The hottest part of the day. You don't draw water in the hottest part of the day. Instead, the usual time is in the morning when it's cool or in the evening when it's cool. But because she was shunned and rejected by all the other women in the area because of her immorality... She came out in the middle of the day. And in the middle of the day when she was trying to hide in her sh sinful shame and come out to a place where nobody else should be, she doesn't just run into a man, she runs into God. See, sometimes you're in a place in life that's an awful place and you're wallowing around in your sinful shame and you're trying to hide from everyone, including God himself, but the very place you go to hide seems to be the place God's going to show up. 
Isn't that a good God? God ain't going to leave you alone. He's going to make sure you get a touch from him. And so she shows up at this place, and Jesus meets her there, and he asks her to draw water. Jesus knew the history of this, and get, it, get this, he accepted her and ministered to her, and he knew that living water would change her, because he says, if you knew the gift of God, and you knew who was saying this to you, you'd give me a drink. So then the woman chimes in. She dives next. Jesus started this dialogue, so she said, hey, let's go with it. Let's see what's happening here. And so as she starts the dialogue, she begins to talk to Jesus. And if you'll realize this woman's speech, this this is not an ignorant woman. This is not an unlearned woman. This woman knew the priorities and the qualifications of worship for the temple, for the Samaritan people where she lived. She's not an uneducated woman. In fact, she seemed to be very astute religiously. Key word there, religiously. And so the woman at the well is the woman whose sins are apparent, but she is not sinned alone. Get this. Jesus, when he begins to talk to her and addresses her, he says, woman, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. She didn't lie to Jesus. She just didn't tell him the truth. <laughs> right? A lot of us are good like that with God. We don't lie to God. We just don't tell him the truth sometimes. She didn't have a husband. The fact of the matter, Jesus addresses it, says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You got five. <laughs> and the man you with right now, girl, He ain't yours. He ain't yours. And this kind of stops her in her tracks. So immediately, she changes the subject. Let's talk about worship. Let's talk about religious. Let's talk about how good we really are on the outside, even though the inside looks like junk. And a lot of us are like that in our Christian walk. God tries to address an issue, and we just go, oh, but let's talk about this. God says, no, we ain't done talking about this. And so the woman with the, with the, with the, at the well right here, her sins are apparent. But understand this, how much deeper it goes. In those days, husbands divorced their wives, but wives did not divorce their husbands. If this woman has been married and divorced five times, then five men have divorced her. Now put your, put your mind in the, in, the, in the realm of this woman. Put yourself in her shoes. The Bible literally calls it this. She was put away five times. Men would go to her, use her, abuse her, and when they got tired of her, they would put her away as a shameful person and divorce her. So she got put away. The first husband that did it, used her, abused her, I'm tired of you, I'm gonna put you away. That would not do very good for somebody's self-esteem, man or woman. But then it happens again. The second time a man uses her and abuses her and, and, and does whatever he pleases, and then I'm tired of you, I'm going to put you away. The third time, oh, Lord, help us. A lot of us look at this, woman, can't you get your life together? It may not always be the woman. Because Jesus wasn't just addressing the sin of the woman, he was calling out the men of the city too. And so Jesus in this, the third man had put her away. The fourth man had put her away. The fifth marriage, goodness, can we not get this thing together? (laughs) Put her away. Could you imagine being used and abused by five different people and put away every time? And the baggage you carry from one marriage to the next marriage to the next marriage to the next marriage to the next marriage. Finally, you're sleeping with a man that's not even your husband and probably already had a wife of himself somewhere else on the side too. Do you understand the type of person that we're dealing with here? This is not your upstanding citizen. 
This is not the one that you're going to want to hang out with, invite over for Sunday dinner. This is the very one who needs a touch from God. This is the very one who needs a touch of the Savior, the one and only God. But everybody else shunned her so much that she was willing to come out in the Middle East where the temperatures easily break 100 degrees by noon to get water because she was so embarrassed to be out publicly and she was shunned by the rest of the world, religious and Jewish alike. And Jesus, God himself sitting at a well, sees her coming. Do you realize why he said, I had to go to Samaria? I had to. You ever wonder if God cares about you individually? Jesus had to go there, and I believe this is why. Jesus had to go there. I believe this is why. You ever wonder, oh, God, do you even know where I'm at in this big old world? Jesus had to go there because there was one woman who was going to come out at noontime, and Jesus had to make it to a certain point so when she came out to draw water, she could touch God himself, and then she would be different. Oh, but she ain't done diving yet. She's still got some more questions. She's still going a little bit deeper. So she'd been passed around by the male population of this city. The talk of the town. Her sins were so apparent that everybody shunned her. And then he calls the attention to the men as he is dressing with her. Everybody say, time to dive deeper. We're going to go deeper a little bit. What is the essential item that drew these two, place, these two people together? What's the title of this message? Water. The two things that drew these people together was this. It's called water. Very simple uh, uh, formation. It's got two hydrogen, one oxygen. Very stable. I mean, it, all across the world, there's nothing valuable about water, but water is the most costly item in the world because you don't have it, you're dying in three days. There's an abundance of it, but very little of it you can drink. Right? You look at the oceans. I mean, all the world, oceans make up 99% of the earth's water. There's an abundance of water, but only 1% of it you can drink. This topic, this thing, this need draw them both together at this well, the well of Jacob. Now understand this. Water throughout the Bible has always represented cleansing. Fire always represents purification. Water always represents cleansing. Fire represents purification. The problem with a lot of churches today is we're trying to bring people through fire, not through living water. We got, we got to start bringing people to the living water for purification because Christ has already done the cleansing by fire. I just said that backward. We got to bring the people through the water for the cleansing because Christ has already done the purification by the fire. Now listen to this. Water throughout the whole Bible is used for cleansing. You have the water in Exodus 30, 17, and it says, You shall make a bronze basin, or the labor, and this is the tabernacle in the wilderness with the stands of bronze, for washing. You shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar, the brazen altar where the fire was, and you shall put water in it, and with which Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet. And then they will go into the tent of meeting, or they will come near to the altar to minister to burn the food offering of the Lord, and they shall wash with water so that they may not die they shall wash their hands and their feet so that they will not die. Do you think cleansing is important? Jesus brought her to a place of, place of cleansing. Some other examples, the flood, Noah's ark, the flood, the whole story of the flood. It was up for a cleansing of the earth. The whole earth had done evil and wicked in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't do it through purification. He did it through cleansing. 
He did it through cleansing. The waters in the consecration for the priestly ministry. When the priests were being consecrated, they had to wash with water. The cleansing of the leper, he said, go wash in water and be made clean. The Israel, when they went out of, uh, of Egypt, they went through a cloud, which is water, and through the Red Sea, which is water, for a cleansing. Cut off all of Egypt, go through a cleansing, come into this place where I've called you, and you're on a 10-day journey that took them 40 years to get to the promised land. And because it took them so long for the journey, they had to go through a cleansing again when they went through the River Jordan because they went through the water. And that time the priest stepped in the water and it divided. And it backed all the way up. And the whole nation went on through. And then it goes on, you talk about Jesus with his baptism in the New Testament. And then you talk about when Jesus was crucified. They pierced him in the side where blood and water flowed. See, Blood was used on the fire and the brazen altar for purification. Water is used for cleansing of the body of Christ. Understand this. It's time we start bringing people through the water, not bringing them through the fire. People always say, Pastor, I love your sermons because you don't preach hellfire and brimstone. You're right, because I'm supposed to bring you through the living water. It's not my job to bring you through the fire. You would, as a priest in the Old Testament, you would come to a place very first called the brazen altar where there were horns and there was a big fire in the middle of it and you would sacrifice an animal and you would burn the carcass or the pieces of it in the fire. You would sprinkle blood on the horns. That's the fire and the blood for purification. That's what you got when you see, receive Christ as Lord and Savior. From there, they went on to the brazen altar where they had a wash for a cleansing. Come on now, I'm preaching better than y'all responding. And they wash for a cleansing, and get this, this is what the Bible says in Ephesians, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word of God, make her blameless and holy, a radiant church without wrinkle or stain or blemish, holy and blameless before God. Quit worrying about going through the fire. Jesus already went through the fire of purification. When you get born again, you are washed in the blood of the Lamb. And your sins, though they are scarlet, the Bible says they're made white as snow. So you've been through the fire. Jesus went through for you. The priest, the Bible says you are a kingdom and priest. The priest sacrificed a lamb on the fire. Jesus was the lamb on the fire. Your purification's been paid for. You need to get a cleansing from the word of God. Let's go deeper. And Jesus all the time says, woman, I got some living water. I got some living water. You're coming in contact with purification. That's Jesus. You ever wonder why in Revelation, the Bible says you look into his eyes and it's still there a blazing fire? Oh, it's still purification, baby. <laughs> He's got it. And he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for cleansing. If you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for cleansing. And so a whole new world's about to embark. A whole new world's about to come on. Jesus, or or the water for the Jews, is a symbol of God Almighty, living water. And this woman says, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who you speak to am he. See, as she came to the living water of Christ, listen, he exposed her sin what cleansing does but he didn't expose her shame I understand this he exposed her sin without making her feel shameful do you, do you understand the difference a lot of people hate churches because they come here and they say they got forgiven but when you still walk out in shame you hadn't gotten forgiveness 
Jesus forgave her. He cleansed her. She felt no shame so much, so she ran back in the town and said, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. I don't want to hear the rest of their conversation, what they talked about in the private times. I don't want to know what this woman's life was like more than the five marriages, because you can just guess. But understand what happened, and it needs to happen in our lives too. When you come in contact with the living water of God Almighty, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the Word made flesh, okay? He's the Word of God made flesh. The water that we've talked about and cleanse her by the washing of the water with the Word. So when you read the Word of God, it's not there to make you feel sinful and shameful. It's there to cleanse you and set you free. And when you're free, you can actually get excited and go tell somebody about something that's happened in your life. Because a lot of people say, oh, I've experienced freedom, but you still walk out of here like this oh baby i know when i got forgiven of something and i'm not ashamed to say oh lord god has forgiven me thank you jesus i've received a cleansing uh and there's a freedom i mean i'm talking a freedom like nobody's been you ever seen somebody get out of jail you ever seen somebody they don't get out of jail like who's watching me no you get out of jail buddy you're doing the happy dance i'm not gonna do a happy dance because you y'all make fun of me for days <laughs> but if i got out of jail this is what i would look i'd be like oh thank you jesus come on now Come on, baby. I've been set free. And this woman at the well, this woman over there at the well, she said, I just met a man who told me everything about it, and it didn't condemn me. It set me free, and I'm going to go back and tell my whole town about this guy. <laughs> Woo. When you receive a word from Jesus, it's not going to condemn you. It's going to let you experience freedom. So you'll go out here and tell somebody about the goodness of God. Because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. It's time to bring people through the living word and give them the living water of life. To let them experience cleansing. The fire and the purification has already been paid for on the cross of Calvary. I'm telling you church, it's time to get some living water. The woman is symbolic of modern day. We have knowledge of religion. Get this, we have knowledge of religion, but we have no living water. This woman could tell Jesus everything about where they were supposed to worship, about the Messiah who was supposed to be coming, about everything about their worship culture. It says, you Jews say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, but we're over here on Mount Gerzim or Jizrim or however you say it. That's why I didn't put it in the message. <laughs> and we worship over here. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you know the religion. You know the religious side of it, but there's a time coming. And it has now come that the ones who are going to worship are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it's here and it's arrived. The same problem that the woman had is the same problem we deal with in the church today. It's this. We have knowledge of religion, but we haven't came in contact with living water. We've come to the place at the well. You've came to the place where you should get water all your life. You show up for church on Sunday morning because it's what you're supposed to do. I got to go to the well morning and evening if, I, if I'm a lady in Jewish times to draw the water because it's what I'm supposed to do. No, you're coming to church this morning not because it's what you're supposed to do because you know what you're getting when you come. You're going to get the living water of God for a cleansing on our life like never before. The second thing that she's symbolic of, we have already, we've been passed, to, passed by or put away from one sin to another not realizing that we are thirsty. So many people, you look out at Sulphur Springs, I'm telling you, I won't even say Dallas or Fort, I'm just going to say, you look out at Sulphur Springs and you see so many people, just as the woman was put away, five different men. I see people all over Sulphur Springs going from one sin to another sin to another sin to another sin trying to fill the void in their life. They don't even know that they're thirsty. 
The woman didn't even realize that she was thirsty. She just knew she had to go get water for her family. She didn't even realize she was thirsty. But when she showed up, she got more than she ever bargained for. When she showed up to do what she was supposed to do, she came in touch with Almighty God like never before. And we've been so deceived about forgiveness in the church. Hear me on this. I want you to hear me on this point real clear this morning. We have been so deceived about what forgiveness and cleansing is that we would rather go around in our shamefulness than receive forgiveness. I know people who won't come and pray with me on a Sunday morning. I know people who won't confess their sins to their spouse or to one another or to even, even people. So, so the Bible talks about healing and stuff. I know that people, they won't do that because we've been so deceived about forgiveness. Because we think if we bring it up, we're going to feel shameful condemnation. But the truth is, when you're at a place of the well where living water is, when you bring up the issue or the issue of sin is brought up, you will not experience shamefulness. You'll receive freedom and experience forgiveness the way God meant it to and you'll leave cleaned and cleansed in the power of God.